you look at your life and go, man, I would do anything to be 20 again. And I look at my life and go, fuck, there is nothing you could give me to go be 20 again. See, what I'm trying to figure out is, uh, yeah, like, I don't think I want to get to the point where it's like, oh, I wouldn't, I don't want to ever be 20 again, but where I can look at it and go, man, I'm excited to be 50. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. The Literate Apecast is not responsible for triggering your PTSD because we are warning you right now that we might. If coarse language or base stupidity from two white guys is not your jam, look elsewhere for your workout podcast. All right, so you've been fascinated. I'm starting to nerd out a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so tell me about this. Tell me about so your nerd out. So we were approaching the 50th anniversary of Man Walking on the Moon, the first time Man Walked on the Moon, July 20th, 1969. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin uh, landed on the moon the first time that in human history. Pretty remarkable stuff. Um, so, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot of, of, as this happens with big anniversaries, um, you know, there's there's anniversary releases for watches, and you know, there's stories, retrospectives, and you know, specials and documentaries and things. Uh, real quick, one of the things that I was well, so I'm watching I'm watching PBS's American Experience, which I've talked about on the show before. It's a yeah, it's a really great program. It can be really boring because it like talks about the most mundane moment in well, American, it's, but it's the like, thing it's, is, it's fucking history it's and like, we're the lazy, yes, social yeah. media and the internet has made us the fucking most attention deprived individuals on the planet earth that we can't sit and watch an hour long program right. about something that is historic. Right. Says an awful lot about us. We but can I, binge I, stranger I love things. Show. Right. Yeah. We yeah. can binge stranger things, but we can't fucking watch a PBS series about the history of our country. Yeah. We're getting a little lazy. Well, and I, I, I love the show and, and then I love when they, they – there's some that are just really fucking incredible. And I think right now this, this series they're doing, I think it's a five-part series called Chasing the Moon, which is all yeah. about NASA. And they, like basically it, it's from when President Kennedy said in 61 or 62, he, like when he said, we'll go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, whatever the hell that other thing was. But when, yeah, he, made that, when was. he made that call to action. So it's that like into landing on the moon and then the bit afterwards like – what all happens. So it's just, it's really fascinating. And one of the things that, that, ama- or that I thought was interesting was, you know, the astronauts have these watches on their suits. And I'm like, what, what watch went to fucking space? Like, what is the watch that went to the moon? So I quickly looked it up and it was the Omega, it's an Omega watch, something, Omega sure. time, key, I don't, whatever. Um, so they have all these like re-releases of that watch, you know, 50th anniversary and they've got one that's like the dark side of the moon edition. And oh, it's, nice. it is, of course it do. is cool looking. So I'm looking at this watch and I'm thinking, I, I don't need a watch. It's the size is too, like it's not my style at all, but it is a sharp looking watch. Guess how much this watch costs. Guess how much, and, and Omega watches aren't cheap, but guess how much this watch costs? $10,000. 12000 12000 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not I, fucking around. No. I mean, if it can go to space. Yeah, if it can go to the fucking moon. Then te- well, the thing about it is I would argue that almost any watch at this point could go to the moon because the vacuum of space does not affect the gears Probably. and all that kind of stuff. sure. 
Omega just happens to have the lock on the fact that their watches yeah. went to the it's, moon. I mean, so they it's call not like the, the Omega watches are any better or any worse than a Seiko. They call it the, the Moonwalker. You know, I mean, that's exactly. like the they nickname. Fucking, yeah. They got to be the, you know, yeah. it's sort of like if they took up Mountain Dew. There's right. nothing anything intrinsic about Mountain Dew that is more space worthy than Pepsi or Sierra Mist. However, if Mountain Dew was sent up to space, then they've got the lock and a marketing thing of like Mountain Dew. Well, but that's the, the weird space thing. Space soda. Is that, is that the Moonwalker, it's you can dive with it up to I think five meters or 157 feet, but something like that, whatever it is. So there's a limit on how deep in the ocean you can go. But there doesn't seem to be a limit. Well, yet. that's because there's that, well the thing about it is there's no pressure in space. That's the thing is anything. And that's is there. the wild could, thing about the all thing this. The thing is, I could take peeps. I could say like a, like a yeah. peep. Yeah. And I could and it's like okay, it's gonna last two and a half feet in the ocean, but it'll last forever in space. Why? Because there's no air. There's no gravity. There's no pressure of any kind. So that peep can just float in space for the rest of fucking but doesn't, eternity. Doesn't that amaze you that it's, it's... Space is a hostile environment. That's what, you know, the scientists call it a hostile environment because we can't live in there. We can't just, you know, take our gloves off or our, we need masks. We need oxygen, yeah. right? It's a vacuum. Yeah, but it's just In space, it's just they crazy can't hear you scream. Right. Like, that stuff... It's crazy to me. Like space just, I, you know, I, I've said this before that one of the scariest movies I ever saw was Gravity. You know, the Sandra yeah, Bullock. I love that movie. Because it's just like, love that movie. Being lost out there, you know, flying around yeah. with a fucking fire extinguisher. That is just like, I, it's, yeah, which it's scientifically, just, it's it's, that's scientifically been debunked. You could not do that. They got sure. it from Wally. Um, yeah. Wally did it much better. Um, I mean, yeah, Neil, I get Neil deGrasse Tyson took a dump all over yeah. gravity. And oh, that's yeah, fine. yeah. But it's still, it's, it's, you know, that's yeah. things. He didn't take a dump on Wally because Wally isn't proposing to actually give you sort of like a, a realistic portrayal of that thing. It's Wally's a fucking cartoon. However, they basically took the idea from Wally. Of yeah. using that thing, yeah, that he just went, yeah, it would never work that way. Yeah, but it's, I mean, so you know, looking back at, the, I mean, I wasn't alive when Man Walked on the Moon. You were three. I was three years old, and you, I'm sure you don't remember it. I don't fucking remember it yeah. at all. All I remember is you know playing in my own shit because I was three. Right, right. Uh, but like putting aside like the the engineering the incredible engineering and just the science required to go to the moon and how they were saying that the computer aboard Apollo 11 and like the lunar module was so like far less than what's in my, my Timex Iron Man watch, oh, digital watch here. Like, dude, this is all this, numbers and pencils and scratch yeah, paper. It's The insane. thing about it is, is if you look at the technology in the last 10 years, yeah. what we're recording this podcast on in the 1960s, would have taken up a fucking building. Yeah. You know? I mean, a, a big building. building. Yeah. yeah. Of, of, and it's all magnetic tape. And we can, and, and, and this, I mean, literally, this phone yeah. that I stick next, like, inches from my asshole on uh -huh. a regular basis yep. is more powerful by a long shot yeah. than anything they had available when they sent somebody to the moon. And yet, I can't go to the moon with this phone and sometimes this phone can't download email quick enough for me. So, like, there you this go with is technology. Tech, this is the game. We were talking, but you were <laughs> you were talking a little bit about your fascination with uh, yeah with well, this. And, and offline, you mentioned that you didn't think 
that well, the, the this thing, kind of cooperation could ever happen again in our country or in well, our it's, history. It's not even so much the cooperation as it is that, like, in the 1960s were arguably the most tumultuous decade in American history. Civil like, rights, Vietnam, the assassination of a president, Richard Nixon, right. communism, all of this shit's going on at the same and, time. And not just... I'm not talking about, like, a 10-year period. I'm talking... No. The 60s, like from 60 to 69, like, you know, that actual decade was was hardcore, was serious hardcore. And all these terrible and wonderful things, too, but like these really like earth shifting, earth shattering moments in 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 sociology and history, in uh, the arts, I mean, in everything. It was just kind of a shit show by the end of the decade. And quietly throughout the 1960s, the NASA scientists are living like it's 1957 still, you know, like it's... Well, the thing is, it wasn't like, quiet. It wasn't quiet. I mean, if you've, you've seen the right stuff. Yeah. It was a national obsession. They had, you know, I mean, that's one of the things I love about a lot of like late, like uh, what was that, First Man yeah. with uh, Gosling, you know, it's like, is, is that those stories, they were celebrities, they People were celebrities, but that. they started to die out because, like, they would yeah. they would have one remarkable thing, like you yeah. man spacecraft, boom, uh, orbit the Earth, great, and then kind of nothing until they orbited the Moon, and then they were huge celebrities. Then nobody yeah. really cared. Well, it's not that nobody really cared; it's that they didn't have another. Uh, it's and I think this is probably more an American thing than anything else. But yeah. sort of that, sort of that go west, young man, sort of kind of right. perspective is like, where's the next frontier that we're going to conquer? Right. And once we've conquered the moon, who gives a shit? Oh, because so, and if you look at the, the trajectory of that history, is once they hit the moon, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then and then they had a, that there were other moon landings. I mean, but well, it there was that Apollo big twelve, and yeah, then there was there Apollo other thirteen. Moon landings, but after Apollo thirteen, they, they stopped. And then they Apollo created the space it. shuttle. Yeah. The space shuttle was an amazing feat of yeah. technology, but it became sort of routine. So what else is next? And they didn't have a what else is next. And then they started getting defunded, mm-hmm. and they didn't have enough money to do a what else is next. So that, and then the next big thing you hear about is fucking Reagan talking about his Star Wars program, which is basically we've conquered space, so now let's turn it into a weapon. Which was the whole, the exact opposite point of exactly. the space program. Exactly. In the 1960s. But this thing, you made the comment offline that you didn't think that kind of cooperation could ever happen again because we're so polarized now and this is what i'd argue well, was, argue, well let me, first let me of clarify all, though let me right, clarify because right, it clarify, wasn't it right. wasn't the cooperation about the scientists it was you know apollo 11 goes up they're going to put a man on the moon um and there's all these stages of like okay the rocket went off cool it didn't blow up all right what's the next thing they need to get to, you know they need to get to the moon okay they got there they need to land on the moon okay they land on the moon then they need to come back so there's all these like stages of <gasps> Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. You know? And uh, the world was gathered around their radio and their TV sets and baseball games. There's on this one of the episodes of the, the American Experience, I don't know which game it was, but there was, it was probably several baseball games. But this one that they showed up on the scoreboard in the lights, it said, This is the middle of the day. And it said, They're on the moon. And the game umpire calls timeout. The game stops. Yep. People oh, yeah. are kind of like, what the fuck? And then they all start cheering and pa- players are taking their hats off and then they all sing God Bless America. And it's like, yeah. the world was cheering for these 
three guys, you know, because of what it meant to the entire world. Because the moon is not just America's. It's not Russia's. It's not. No, no. It's it's, it's the world's. Yeah, you it's know, the globe. It, well, it, what it did, it positioned the entire planet as a planet, yeah. rather than a territory of a bunch of, of disparate, right. ang- angry, are arguing, bordered, you know, warring factions. Right. It suddenly said, "Oh." It, and what it did is it recognized exactly what we were talking about space, is it recognized that at the end of the day, as much as I'm sitting here in my house and my fucking neighbor and I are arguing about, you know, his tree line, yeah. ultimately that is minuscule mm-hmm. in, this, in, the, in the face that we are all, every one of us, you know, and we've heard this, this almost cliched, well, it is cliched, is the idea that we're all basically sitting on a piece of fucking rock yeah. that is hurtling through space at millions and millions and miles a second. Yeah. And we're arguing over stuff that in the long term right. means fuck all. It means nothing. And so it is that, and, and I think that's the dichotomy of the human experience is sort of recognizing on one level that, okay, for example, uh, me too. Mm-hmm. This movement is important. It's an important movement in the small term, in the microcosm. But in terms of if if suddenly we had alien invaders or there was an asteroid going to come and destroy the Earth, in the face of that, it means fucking nothing. It is absolutely minuscule and unimportant because an asteroid coming to destroy our planet is something we all have to work on. Right. And we can't afford to have factions arguing about smaller... I mean, if, if all of a sudden... And I guarantee you, if all of a sudden we there was incontrovertible truth, the fact that there was an asteroid going to come and it was going to be a planet killer, mm-hmm. and we all saw it, and it was there's no question, I guarantee you that anybody that said, yes, but the people that are trying to stop it are all men, would get shouted down so fucking fast they'd <laughs> shut the fuck up. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter who's saving our ass yeah. as long as there's somebody saving our ass. Right. You know, and so, and that's not to say that Me Too's not important. It's not to say that that kind of, what I'm saying is that's the dichotomy of the human experience is that we have to deal with the fact that stuff that seems really important to us now is still important, but there's a far bigger game at play that we're all a part of. And it's the moon landing reminds us yeah. how big and how small we are and how big everything else is. And I think it that's was amazing. Just so many things about it were so amazing at that time that even if we go to Mars, it's kind of like, well, we've sent a, 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 a rover there. Like, we've done... Yeah. I just don't know that there's going to be... And, I mean, never say never, right? That's like the kiss of death. But it'll be really hard to get to get something that is that... I mean, dare I say it's not miraculous, because it's, you know... But that incredible and, and, and new that sets the stage for infinite possibilities, the way that landing on the moon... Did and there were people that didn't like the moon landing. There were, and rightfully so, people protesting the Vietnam War, and uh, and and NASA because it's like money needs to not go to wars and space, but feeding the poor and taking care of people at home. And I totally get that. Well, say so, well, this is, and I and I'll divert just for one second because I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, yeah, what a great accomplishment if if we could basically create technology where every human being on the planet had a full belly and had a sort of like a guaranteed you're always going to eat. See, here's the problem with that. And, and this is, again, it's one of those things. Here's the immediate. I see a hungry child. We need to right. figure out how that hungry child eats because my compassion is being battered. Mm-hmm. However, if everybody on the globe, I mean, the reason we're so fucking wildly 
overpopulated right now is because we figured out how to live longer. We figured out how to crop better. We figured out how to build food and make make farms. We figured this stuff out, which means more people than ever before in the history of the planet are getting fed and are getting hygiene and are having their teeth in their mouth for much longer than 17 years of their life. I mean, all this kind of stuff's happening. And ultimately, if we figured out how to basically make sure that everybody ate, it would be a matter of about two decades before there would be so many people on this fucking planet alive that the planet would just implode because it's just, it, it ultimately it is taking the resources that are available and can you sustain life that long? Yeah. We already as a human species have destroyed more species that existed before we got here just because we exist. It's not because we're mean and, and everyone say, oh, it's a capitalist thing. No, it's not a capitalist thing. It is the very existence of humanity and our, our intelligence. That's the thing is monkeys can't figure out how to grow crops. Right. Monkeys cannot, for, they can't figure out how to do sustainable farming. They can't figure out how to build a Starbucks. So ultimately <laughs> monkeys are kind of just stuck being monkeys. But because right. we're the monkeys that can figure that shit out, we figure out ways to live longer and longer and longer. And eventually that we overtip the balance between what is available for us and how many of us can have it. And right. That's yeah, I mean, the longer we're here, the more we the more we fuck shit up. I mean, even up in space, there's all that space yeah. junk from all of yeah. our going to the moon and going beyond. Yeah. We have to leave stuff behind, is, and yeah, and we, we look at that and we look at yeah. again. It's one of those things like the dichotomy is like we look at okay, look at all the fucking space trash we've put up mm-hmm. there. But if you really think about the universe, the space trash is just around us. There's no fucking space trash around Jupiter, right? There's no fucking, you know, I mean, you're not, it's not like there's Mountain Dew cans floating around Saturn's no, it's, rings. No, it's pieces of, of prior but the shuttle thing is, trips not even, and, and not rocket ships. There's not pieces of sh- prior shuttle. Go, get out to where the rock that used to be Pluto is. There ain't a, we haven't, we haven't despoiled any of that. There's no garbage over there because it's too fucking far. We only kind of have fucked up our own immediate surroundings. Yeah. And if you include our atmosphere and just outside our atmosphere and maybe even all the way all the way up to Mars, you can say that we've kind of only fucked up our little corner of things. The universe is too big for us to fuck it all up. Well, for what's the that? same reason I feel like we're too small to actually destroy the Earth. The Earth, we're, whenever it talks about, oh, climate change, we're destroying the planet. No, we're not. We're destroying our ability to live on the planet. That's a different thing entirely. We're not destroying the planet. The planet is mm. way bigger than we are. What we're doing is we're burning our own house down so we can't live here. That's what we're doing. Okay. Yeah? Yeah, because the Earth is going to figure itself out. Yeah, I mean, the thing about it is if we create it so that the Earth is so hot that we can't eat and that everybody on the planet is dying, the Earth is going to, when we're all gone, the Earth is going to continue to be the Earth. Right. It'll just be a different Earth. We It'll may see another isn't. rise of dinosaurs as things might, grow. And I mean, that it was, might right yeah, itself. I yeah. mean, but that's the thing is we don't know because the sun might blow up and kill the Earth. But that's really the only right. thing that's going to destroy We're destroying the our Earth ability to live is on either here. A, yeah. Is either a giant asteroid the mm-hmm. size of the moon or the sun explodes. Those are the only two things that are going to destroy the earth, the arrogance that we think we're destroying the earth rather than just destroying our ability to live on it mm-hmm. is, is astounding. I think that's a semantics issue, but yes, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think that in most cases... I don't think it's a semantics issue. I think they're two very different things. I, I agree, but I think if you were to say to... Like me, I would say 
before this, before a minute ago, I would say, yeah, we're destroying the planet. Because, like, yeah, climate change is real. We are exacerbating the natural sure. order of things. But then you'd say, no, the Earth is, we're not destroying the planet. We're destroying our ability to live on it. I'd go, ah, right, yes, that's what I mean. So I think that that... Well, but but the thing is, I think that, and it goes to the heart of uh, some of my issue. I, I, I mean, I didn't want to divert into politics on this conversation. However, you know, Nancy Pelosi and Andrea or Alexandria Ocasio Cortez—they're kind of at odds right now in the news. Mm -hmm. You know, and and what's happening is Pelosi's recognizing that's because women just can't get along with each no, other. Yeah, yeah. Um, what it boils <laughs> down to is Jeez. that that that. And and I get it, you know. The thing about it is, I don't disagree that the squad of four, yeah, you know, freshman congresswomen, um, women of color, don't have good points to make. Mm -hmm. But the problem that Nancy Pelosi is facing is that they aren't persuasive. Right. There's only four of them, and they're not persuading all of the moderate Democrats to fall in line. Right. And because the, and what they do is because they're not persuading anybody, they just keep yelling louder and louder and calling people out on Twitter. Which alienates them further, mm -hmm. you know. And and the thing about it is, I don't even know. But where it gets I was the people. This, it gets it's... the next generation of people fired up, and that will change how well, the but, discourse but of this, politics in the future. Well, because I mean, Pelosi doesn't have long is, for this world, you know. I mean, well, no. But the thing about it is, neither does Alexandra, because she's got a blip of power, and if she can make play it right, she she makes a she actually accomplishes something. If all she's going to do is I'm right and you're wrong, and this is our our thing. She's going to have a very limited shelf life in politics. And so this is this. I mean, if if she was sitting right here next to me, I would say when it comes to the new Green Deal, you're 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 going on and on. That's the rhetoric. The rhetoric is we're destroying the planet. We're destroying the planet. Yeah. We're destroying the planet. And that is not the argument that is persuasive, because ultimately most people don't give a shit about the abstract concept right. of destroying the planet. Right. They only care about the things that affect them. Mm -hmm. That's human experience. And as cynical and shitty as that is, that's human beings. It's like I always say, well, most people are not against you. They're just for themselves. Right. And so if you right. change the argument, if you change the branding of the argument from we're destroying the planet, which is really easily debunkable, by mm -hmm. the way, in, in terms of just sort of basic science, it's why the Fox News idiots can say, well, not really. Because we're not really destroying the planet. We're destroying our ability to continue living we here. We are destroying yeah. the sustainable ability for human beings to live on the planet. And that is a different argument. And if they were making that argument, it would, it would, I think it would land home to more people. Because then it becomes the personal thing. Then you go to, you know, Joe Republican gun owner here in Las Vegas. And you say, dude, look at... Look at how fucking hot it is. Yeah. And you've got air conditioning that survives you. But if we lose the ability to generate energy for your air conditioning, you've got to sit out there at 115 degrees and fucking die. And it makes it more personal. And when it's personal, people move to action. That's just how it works. Well, let, So let's, let's take it back from politics. Let's go back to the abstract idea of the earth. Yeah. And we go back to the 1960s and the Apollo missions. Um, you know, what, what I was saying is like... I don't know that we'll ever see anything as grand and uh, of collective interest of the people back on Earth uh, wanting to see this stuff work because, you know, for the first time we're seeing photos of ourselves from space. Like, this is what the Earth looks like. This is, there we are. 
mind-blowing shit. People had never seen this before. You know, they'd never seen a man walk in space. Like, it was, it's mind-blowing. And, and I mean, to us now, it's like no big deal. Like, I grew up, you know, I mean, I was in, what, first grade when the Challenger blew up. And it was like, oh, that, that didn't look good. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's not a good thing. But uh, it, it was still pretty, like, everything associated with the space program, like, that there was a teacher on the Challenger. Like, that was a remarkable... Yeah. Well, she died. Big frickin', right. Um, I mean, even when Columbia came back in and yeah. and and blew apart, well, did, I mean, I had to go. So, I had to jump on the radio and break break the news on that. Like that was a huge this, thing. So take all that excitement and put it in yeah. the sixties when none right. of this had ever okay. been done before. And this is my counter to that. And I yeah. and I totally. And this is my hopefulness and my my. You know, I was I was actually. This is fucking hysterical. At the casino the other day. Yeah. One of my employees at the cage just looked over at me, and, it, and I know it's because I'm perpetually upbeat at work. Yeah. I'm just, hey, how you doing? Excellent, rock and roll. I'm having a good time. Yeah. But at one point, she just looked at me and said, you know who you are? I said, what? You're like a buff Ned Flanders. Ah! <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, yeah, I got the hair, I'm wearing the glasses, I don't have a mustache, but I'm perpetually upbeat. And I appreciate that you think I'm buff. You know, it's like that was, you know, okay. So that maybe oh, is my God. Pollyanna. I will always try to find the best solution. So this is yes. what I'll say. Yeah. First of all, if you look at history, look at just using the 60s as an example, you had all of this shit going on socially. And we were at odds, Vietnam, civil rights. I mean, there's a million things mm-hmm. going on. Yep. Anti-communism, Nixon coming back, all this shit. But at the exact same time, as the Democratic National Convention in 1968, where fucking turmoil was like writ large, yeah, there were scientists at that very moment so close to actually solving the problems to get us to the moon. And it was scientists and people, it was just thousands. In fact, I would argue there were more people at that very moment working on creating a way for us to get to the moon than there were at the Democratic National Convention. And so while the turmoil was big, there was all this stuff going on that was beautiful and really cooperative and really amazing. And And if you look at every decade that you can register in the human experience, but probably just limiting it to the United States, because, mm-hmm. you know, why not? Yeah. I could say that every decade has two nexus points, two focal points, where one is, this is us at our absolute worst as human beings. And right next to it, happening at exactly the same time, this is an example of us at our very best as human beings. And I can guarantee All you right, that let's right play this now... Game. Let's play this game. So, well, the, the, the game is, right now, we've got Donald Trump, we've got immigration, we've got all this... I am willing to bet, and given that I don't have any money, it doesn't matter, but I'd bet everything I could, I'm making in the next 50 years, that there, right now, at this very moment, while Trump is pissing everybody off and we're mm-hmm. all crying about what an asshole he is and all this kind of stuff, that there are people that are working on... And this will say, you're like, okay, like, they're working on something that we can't conceive is real that will become real because i'm telling you in the 50s when they started working on on this you know moon thing if you'd ask anybody of normal thing while they're dealing with like eisenhower and truman and then all of a sudden kennedy while they're dealing with those day-to-day things if you just said yeah you know in 1969 we're gonna land human beings on the moon they'd look at you like you were a fucking moron like you were crazier and shit so when i say Perhaps there's somebody out there really, really working on creating a space station that could sustain life outside of this planet. 
I think that's that's very possible. I can't conceive of it, but somebody else can because they know the stuff. Uh, maybe mm. as bizarre and sort of uh, science fictiony and Marvel comics that it is, perhaps somebody has figured out and is trying to figure out using quantum physics how to access an alternate universe. Because you know we hear about the multiverse. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you look back in science fiction, we we would have never thought for a second that you could actually send letters with electricity from one place to the next. But Jules Verne mm-hmm. in the 1920s wrote about the fax machine, and it took 60 years to get to that technology. Yeah. You know, you look at cell phones. Guess what? In 1965. Fucking James T. Kirk had a cell phone long before the technology existed. So this is what I'm saying is I think that the the the, the bane of the human uh, existence is that we can think of the worst ways to destroy each other, the worst yeah. ways to destroy. But I also think that the, the blessing is that we can figure out the most amazing shit. And if we're allowed to do that, we'll do it. So I think right now, while this shit's going on, somebody's figured out or, or on the track of time travel or multiverse or just something as mundane as a space station. And I think that's happening right now. I, I, I understand. I understand that. I, I, I don't disagree with that part of it. Where I do disagree is that things like the cell phone or the fax machine, uh, those are things that not everybody could have or needed or used or whatever. You know, like if you didn't have a small, if you didn't have a business, you didn't need a fax machine. If you were a, I don't know, I mean, right? Like not everybody used a fax machine. Not everybody needed a fax machine. For a while, a lot of people couldn't get, some people still can't get the amazing thing that is the iPhone. You know, they yeah. can't afford it. Uh, but well, not everybody money, could the go Apollo, to the moon. But the, not matter. everybody could go to the moon, but everybody could participate in, in the glory of it. But you can't, but, right. But how can everybody, not everybody can participate in Steve Jobs going, here's iPhone. It's not the same thing. It is the same thing. No, because... The my, thing about it is not everybody, not everybody could afford, that's the thing. If you look at just like the last 12 years that the iPhone existed, the smartphone, not everybody could have a smartphone, but within two years of the iPhone coming out, because iPhones were too expensive for most regular people to buy, but within two years, Samsung came up with a much cheaper alternative. Right, but it took two years. three years, well, that's fine. Sure, but in that moment, that weekend in July, that Sunday, July 20th, the world was gathered around their radio and their TV watching Aldrin and Armstrong, and Collins, and yeah. wondering, what the fuck is going to happen? What the fuck does this mean? Oh my God, what is that? What can we do next? Everybody, it's like, it's like if Steve Jobs in 2007 went, it was, you know, Steve Jobs is going to make an announcement about this next big thing in Apple computers, yeah. and everyone went, what's it going to be? And then he came out the iPhone, and everyone went, oh my God, now the future is, is open to whatever possibility, and it's not the same thing. It well, that's is, because it's on a smaller scale, sure. But well, that's the difference, and I think the biggest difference is the moon landing wasn't a consumer product until Omega decided to sell their watches. Right. The moon landing right. was a human achievement, not for sale. The iPhone was always a great achievement, but it was always for sale. And so the thing about it is that's the thing. The big moments, the big moments are not about here's for sale. Or ideas. Uh, their ideas. I would, well, I, since I would argue of potential. That, uh, as an example, as an example, 
And sometimes those ideas work out, and sometimes they don't. I would argue that the Emancipation Proclamation and the fight to free slaves um, prior to and after the Civil War was not, it, the, the step that was for commerce was it was commercially more viable for the country to keep the slaves enslaved because they made all the fucking money. They were doing all the work. But the idea of a civil war and the North winning the war and slaves being freed, the idea, whether it was done well or not, the idea was something that the entire planet, the thing about it is, you got to keep in mind, we didn't have access to the entire planet, but France right. heard that. England heard that. Those people in Russia heard that. Everybody on the planet heard about that time when you did hear three years ago, the you know the, the American people had this huge civil war and they freed their slaves. That was an idea that was global. It took a longer to get there because we didn't have a fucking iPhone. But now <laughs> I think those things happen. Those are ideas that are not commercial. I think hey, we've got the ability to teleport to uh, different universes is is not for sale. Uh, unfortunately, if pharmaceutical companies get a hold of it, it'll be for sale. It'll only be for rich people. But that's the thing about those things. I think those are things that happen for every generation. I would argue that beating the Nazis in the 40s was an idea. Yes, it took sacrifice, just like the moon landing. It took money. It took all kinds of personal grief but the reality is it wasn't that we just beat the germans we just fought a war and beat bad we just beat some people in our territorial war that was sticky because we beat an idea the idea was yeah freedom and but, liberty over dictatorial nazism and we won that war hang on a second quick a quick pause in the space discussion uh freedom and democracy did not beat the nazis the russians Losing hundreds of thousands of people and continuing to kick ass beat the Nazis. Well, but again, don't get all fucking red, white, and blue Pollyanna bullshit. No, no, on me I'm, here. Not, that's the thing is I'm not talking about America winning. America didn't win the goddamn war. What I'm saying Russia is Russia did. At least the, uh, yeah, the, the they, war in they, the East, or the war in they, the European war. The European Nazi, theater. Yeah, the thing is, what I'm saying is there was a definitive side to these things. Yes. Yeah, and the side that the side that ultimately the allies that ultimately were fighting against dictatorial Nazism won, and that's the idea that that's why we idealize that war. That's why we look back and go, "That was sure, the greatest it was, war." It, it began with because, a sneak attack, and it idea, ended with massive triumph. Yes, because the thing about it, the thing yeah. about it is, we you know, if you want to really get into the moon landing. Like, if you really want to start picking apart the moon landing, aside from the idea that human beings did this thing that no one ever thought could be conceived of and everybody was a part of it, if you want to pick it apart, we used Nazi scientists to create the rockets. Arguably, he was shit. not a Nazi scientist. Yeah, but that's a, that's he was a German. Shit. He was a German. Um, women women in, the, in the space, if you've seen Hidden Figures, women in that particular time period were completely marginalized to secretarial roles, despite the fact that many of them were every bit as smart as the men. Except for there, there was, was one woman. There was uh, one, one woman. woman. Yeah, it was, Gosh, uh, one what's woman. her name? Poppy So what uh, I'm saying, Poppy what I'm saying is yeah. any big idea that, and any big achievement, you can start to find the shit that, that, that is really wrong with it. Poppy Northcutt. But that doesn't destroy the idea. The idea that that unified the planet, at least for that day and perhaps for a couple of years afterwards, was we as human beings exceeded our potential. And we did something that no one ever thought 
we could do. Right, but I, th- I, th- I think there's more think, to that idea. I actually, but I actually think that is something that's generational. And, and I, it's again, I, I'm I, living in... Yeah, but I don't think I'm on this scale. I'm not living in black and white. I'm living in gray areas. I sure. think, yeah. I mean, it's the thing is I can look at Donald Trump and say, yeah, do I think he's a big piece of shit? I absolutely think he's a big sh- piece of shit. Can I also say that without any kind of... Uh, subjective nature that the that the economy he said he was going to do he did that the economy is better now than it's been since reagan yeah i can say that but you can I also mean, argue said, that that wasn't exactly him as well, much as it was the work well, that had been done uh, in the last but, few but years ultimately and, it, know. but it doesn't actually matter what i can say is objectively yeah yeah i think he's a piece of shit and i hate pretty much his very existence on the other hand he said, as president, I will see... Now, he said he, had, he would accomplish, but as president, I will see 3% growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're now at 4.2% growth, growth, which has not occurred since the 70s. Yeah. So, all right, you could say good or bad. Right. There is gray area in this. And so I say that for everything there's gray area, you have to... In order to have the whole world kind of battle, you know, like jump around and go, oh, my God... That gray area has to go away, at least for the day that it happens, so that everybody can go, this is a kind of a really amazing thing. There were terrible things that happened to get us to the moon. Yeah. Awful things I mean, that happened. Apollo 1, the th- in a test but, on Earth, but the, that the moment fire that killed the three guys. But that moment when we got on the yeah. moon, that moment when we landed on the moon and he you know, broadcast that across in the, the globe, that was a moment where we could all say, no matter how bad it was, this was worth the sacrifice. Because this is something that elevates us beyond, like I said, the dichotomy. This reminds us that there is a far larger universe that we're a part of and that our small, petty squabbles in, in that kind of context, when you and, place it and up against that in relief, And I think that's, that's it just is. it, is that it was that, that moment of wonder of, of, that, that came out of ignorance. And not from stupidity, but ignorance is we don't know what don't the moon know. is like. We don't know what it's... What, the earth looks like from the, what it's like to see the earth rise from the, you know, like all that yeah. amazing the first time stuff. Think of it like when you are, so you're married, you love Dana with all your heart, all your being, right? There's no question there. But think back to when you were 12, 13 and like okay. your first girlfriend or even 18 or 19, like when you, like the, you know, Dude, it's a different I had kind sex of... when I was nine. My first girlfriend was not around when I was 13. But whatever. I'm just thinking like when normal people that okay, aren't, when normal that aren't people. like right, politely right. molested so by nor- their babysitters. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, there's a wonderment. Like, that's I don't... the best thing I've ever heard. Politely, politely molested, molested yeah. by my babysitter. That's, that's kind of exactly how it worked out. Okay, like, cool. I, I don't miss my... Girl, my, my my girlfriend when I was twenty years old. I don't think about her. I don't miss her. I don't long for her. Don't give a shit. Um, I don't wish her ill will. Whatever. Sure. I love my wife. I'm fully committed to my wife. But there is something special about that girlfriend at twenty years old, and not as much because it was her, but because of who I was. And the yeah. it was the first time experiencing things with her. It was you know different kinds of experiences i mean yeah i lost my virginity to her but there was a thousand things and feelings i'd never felt before and that's growing up that's learning that's, like we fall in love now and it's like that's it's the, not as big a deal as it was oh i disagree when you no, were see, it's, 11 see, I or actually, 9 or well, whatever that's, and that's because and the reason i disagree is because you david in your midlife crisis that you're living right now i'm in the mid, i'm smack in the middle of that, it yeah I is hope. that you're looking 
to your past as the best days. You're looking at, oh, everything was so much better when I was 20. Right. That kind of thing. Right. I've never felt that way. So this, this, this is what I will argue. You're saying that, oh, that first love was new, so it was somehow fresher and better than my love for Dana. But not, what not I, better. No, not better. Just like it's like it's got this. It, there was this, this patina, there was a different kind this of wonder of shining. A different kind of. I disagree. It, I mean, maybe it was a different kind of wonder, but I don't think it was a lesser wonder because. What I can say with Dana, and I think I can speak for her because we've had this conversation, is that we both had had enough scar tissue. We did yeah. both exactly what you're talking about. Enough bad relationships or relationships that were good but ended that by the time we came to that point, there is no rational reason that either one of us should have looked at each other and said, after three days, yes, I will marry you. There is nothing rational about that. What that was, was all hope yeah. and the belief that we deserved better than we got. And I will, I would pit that moment when we said, I do in Las Vegas, over any girlfriend or wife I have okay. ever had. See, because that was the knowledge that comes with mileage. That's, that's where you and I differ because... Yeah. Because you You're and Dana got yet. you and Dana got married two years before Katie and I. I think you guys have two years. Year before, well, just one year. I think uh, we got married 2014. Two years, because you're what September? Two years. Two, okay, so you're September 12, 2014. That's right. We were celebrating our second wedding yeah. anniversary the, while September you guys 10, were getting married. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were still in this wonder, like three dates. Let's do it. Yeah, I was so hunkered down in my weighted blanket of scar tissue that I did not want to get married. Cause I'm like, I don't ever want to get hurt again. I don't want the wonderment. The wonderment just leads to pain. But when I was 13, 11, 20, I was like, yes, wonder, let's do it. Let's jump off. Let's Thelma and Louise our love to get, you See, know, like I was insane. You, you look at your life and go, man, I would do anything to be 20 again. And I look at my life and go, fuck, there is nothing you could give me to go be 20 again. See, what I'm trying to figure out is, uh, yeah, I, like I don't think I want to get to the point where it's like, oh, I wouldn't, I don't want to ever be twenty again. But where I can look at it and go, man, I'm excited to be fifty, dude. And I haven't see, gotten this there the, yet. And dude, all I'm going to tell you, if you want to, and this, you know, what do I know? I'm fifty three, so I don't know what I, what I haven't, I haven't lived enough life to be able to look back and go, well, that was a fruitful life. Look at the good work. You know, what is it? It's as uh, what's the 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 babe <laughs> thing? Good pig, you did good. Pig. What's what is oh, it? Uh, oh God, yeah. Um, nice job, pig. Whatever. I can't. That'll remember do. What pig. The fuck he said. That'll do, pig. Huh? That'll do, pig. That'll do. I I haven't hit the point in my life where I can look at my life and go, well, that'll do, pig. Yeah. However, yeah. what I can say, and I believe this firmly, <laughs> babe. If, for, if you want to, if you, David Kimmel, you have, and you are at, and that's what I love about the midlife point is that you really do have. Two roads you can travel. Yeah. And you're looking at them. You're staring them right in the fucking face. There's a goddamn sign and there are arrows and you can take the left or you can take the right and you have to choose. And you're making that choice. And the choice will be made for you just because time keeps marching on. So if you don't make right. an active choice, it's going to be made for you and you'll just have to live with whatever the kinds of. But and what I'm going to say is the choice you have to make is, and I know plenty of people who are unhappy and broken, or maybe not broken, but just scarred up, and look at their life as it was always better back then. And it was always better, and now I'm living this life where I'm not happy because I'm not back then. Or... Right. And I'm not saying other, that. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just well, saying it was not different. 
you're looking at your those the, that's one road. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, that's one road is to look at the past as better than somehow the future and say this is the direction I'm going to go. And I and I know those people my age and they are miserable motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Or you can make the choice to say tomorrow's always going to be a better day than the day before. I look toward my 50s. I look toward my 60s. I look toward my 70s. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to next week yeah. more than I am like celebrating three years ago. And that is a choice. It's not something that happens accidentally. And I'll be honest with you, if you let life make its choice for you, it's going to go the other direction. That's a choice you have to make. That's what midlife is all about. It's like saying, am I going to look at my past as being somehow better than what my future is? Which says, I don't think my, I don't see my future as holding any potential because I'm older and I can't run as fast and I, you know, I, I, my, you know, dick doesn't work as much and my balls <laughs> hang lower right. and somehow my feet are drier and I wake up in the morning and I have like a fucking pain in my shoulder and it was just because I was sleeping wrong. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. I can't go out and drink as much, all that kind of stuff. That's one way of looking at life. Well, I suppose I, th- it's... I think that's a bad way of looking at life. I think that that guarantees that you will have an unhappy, and it reminds me, of, and I'm then I'll shut up and let you talk. It reminds me of something that Mike Nichols said once. Two kinds of people. People that had a great childhood and are destined then to have a shitty adulthood, and people who had a shitty childhood and they're des- therefore are destined to have a great adulthood. I can say, good or ill, I am absolutely the kind of the second, even though I never saw my childhood as shitty. See, I mean, I think I had a great multiple, childhood and I have multiple a great stepfathers, adulthood. multiple places to live, yeah. domestic abuse, disease, all this kind of shit. I don't. I never saw it as a bad thing. It was just the way I lived. But now I'm I'm living the life of fucking Riley right now, and that's how I want it. I, I think I, I get what Nichols is saying, and I don't disagree with it. But I think it's a little too binary. That's a little well, of the yeah, yeah, SJW, the whatever test that is. You know, it's a it's a little black and white. But yeah. I think what fascinates me about the moon landing, and what you know attaches to my, you know, two decades old girlfriend experience, whatever that that's. A terrible example, but let's just stick with it because it's out there. Is the idea of of wonder like that? This like whole I've never seen or felt this before, and I want. I mean, shit. I did a show at Second City's um, Skybox a couple years ago called Your First Time, and it was this whole thing about how you'll never be able to recapture the first time you experience something that wow moment. I mean, the first time I ever jerked off in my shower in my old house in Flossmore. I've been trying to chase that orgasm down for 30-something years. It's never been as good as that first time. All right. And because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what was coming. I didn't, pun intended, and whatever. I am going to change my, when we, get to, when we get to six things, I'm changing my six things because you have the arrogance of a young man that thinks that you've done everything no. amazing well, the on. first time. Hang on. Because you're not looking forward to the first. So I'm going to give you some fucking things and dude, motherfucker, you're going to do them okay. or I'm coming to Chicago and I'm going to snap your neck like a pencil. See, look, that's something to look forward to. I've never had my neck snap like a pencil. Well, I not, want that experience. That's not something to look forward to. Snapping but your here's neck the is thing not, is I, I feel I've got like better things. There's, there's experiences that are new and con- like constant new experiences and the wonderment and I'm seeing that in you know, I see that with my son, like everything he experiences, 
almost everything is like brand spanking new to him. And it's going to yeah, be that way for look, a long time. But you're looking back at your life like you can't experience it. Your whole example of the space landing is that we as humanity cannot experiencing anything that good because that was this big thing. But that, that denies the fact that there are things we have not accomplished. Let's accomplish them. Can. I feel like let's do it then. Like, yes, I can experience that kind of okay. wonder again. Let's do it then because I haven't felt it in a couple years, you know, like since my marriage, I guess my kid being born was... I don't know. That's kind of a slow burn of like getting to know him is like a slow burn of the wonderment. All right, Simeon cohort. Here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. My first thing is a listen. Uh, it's a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Uh, it's they're on their second episode now. It's new. It's it's uh, hosted by uh, film critic Josh Bell and uh, comedian and filmmaker Jason Harris, who's a buddy of mine. I used to do stand up with him. We've done the Defeated web series show. We're working on other projects together. It's really well done. They take one year each season. This season is 1994, and they look at most successful box office. Um, they look at a first-time director, um, and so so far they've done The Lion King and they've done Kevin Smith's uh, Clerks, and they pick it apart. And they, it's it's really well done. The guys have great chemistry. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to listen to. So give it a go. All right, my first thing, and this is not for everybody. This is for you. Just for me. Okay. Okay new experiences and you're gonna do it all right i'm gonna hunt you down quit wasting time just give it to me i know they have in chicago what you're gonna do your first thing a new experience and i want you to really live it i want you to really enjoy it i want you to live in the wonder of it okay when you do it don't be thinking about shit you got to do don't be thinking about money don't sit down and really just enjoy it okay i want you to go and there are places in chicago to do this i want you to go have those fucking feet eating fish things where you sit and you put your feet in the thing okay. and they eat the dead skin off your feet. You've never done that, right? Never done it. So you're going to do it because that's one of the things Dana and I laughed when we went to Cancun and I saw that. I was so fucking excited. Yeah. And the pictures, I look like a fucking four-year-old with the thrill in my eyes. Why? Because I'd never had it done. It was I've always wanted to do it. It was so much fucking fun. I lived that wonder you're talking about. Yeah. I had nothing but a sense of discovery and wonder. Yes, that's what I want. fucking fish eating my goddamn dead skin off my feet. It was the best thing. So you're going to do that. That's your first thing. Okay. All right. All right. So my next thing uh, to do, it's a read. Uh, it's on Politico. Uh, it came out the July 10th. It's titled, Mother is not going to like this. The 48 hours that almost brought down Trump. An excerpt from Tim Albertson's uh, forthcoming book, American Courage on the Front Lines of the Republican Civil War and the Rise of President Trump. So this article, it's like, all right, let's talk about the 40 hours that brought down Trump. And it's all about the Access Hollywood tape coming out. And I'm reading it. It's, it's perfectly fine, well-written. And as I'm going through it, I'm like, what is the point of this? Why are they just bringing up old shit that didn't bring down Trump, that should have brought down Trump, that just kind of revealed how awful or how little people care about the morals they claim to have or whatever. Um, but then I was like, oh, it's an excerpt from a book of a larger thing. But it's it's still kind of interesting like to go back and be like, yeah, the Republican Party really had an opportunity to stop this, even though it was late in the game and it was hard for them. But once tr- once the Trump train began, they were fucked. It's, oh, yeah. And that, access, that, that atom bomb that was the Access Hollywood tape... Yep. Even that couldn't 
Trump is a fucking cockroach or a Twinkie. He will, yeah. it will not kill him. And it's, yeah. so it's kind of interesting to, to go back and read that. So give that a go. I, I think that's good. Second thing, this is for you. Okay. Experiencing wonder yeah. in a way that you cannot possibly achieve in any other way. Okay. And this is a, you know, a little more specific to you. Have you taken Harry to a zoo yet? Yeah, but he, last summer, so he was a baby, baby, okay. baby. Yeah. What I want you to do is I want you to take Harry to a zoo. And all I want you to do is instead of focusing on your selfish fucking face, <laughs> all I want you to do is experience the zoo the way he experiences it. No, 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 no. Just do it. Don't question it. Don't complain. Don't go thinking about who you are or what you're wearing or what you're doing. You take him and everything he sees that he's fascinated by, I want you to look at it, really look at it like you're seeing it for the first time and see if you can't access the same wonder that your child is having at his first time because you will discover that you thought you knew a lot of things, but that's because you think you know a lot of things. Okay. All right. That's your number two. All right. My third thing to do this week is watch PBS American Experience Chasing the Moon. Watch that series. It's absolutely full of wonder. Yep. And it's fascinating. And it's really well done. All right. And my final thing, and this is the one you really have to do. Okay. All right. Have you heard of Skydive Chicago? Of course. Have you done any skydiving? Yeah. Oh, you've skydived? Oh, yeah. So you've, We've when did about you skydive? It's been oh, a while. I guess. It's been a while. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm overdue, but yeah, it's, it's 2001. May, okay. have you, May 25th. Have you bungee jumped? I used to do it weekly. Okay. Have you hang glided? Not hang glided. I've gone in a glider, but I've not hang, hang glided. All right. Well, then, then, my third thing, um, then my third thing is that. But I want you to find something you've never done before that is going to... So I'm just going to go with... Uh, a thrill? Uh, a stand... Like yeah, find just a something that you've just thing? never done, never done before. Like dress up as a drag queen and go to an open mic and sing a Liza Minnelli cover song. Something you've never done to, to discover the wonder of the world. Okay, beyond that, just go see Spider Man uh, Far From Home because I really liked it. <laughs> hey, I've never done it that. It was before. fun. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. I love the fact that they kept the same sort of John Hughes meets Marvel kind of. Yeah. Tone. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. There you go. All right. That's the show. That's it. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Tinder. No, where are we on? Twitter, Facebook. It would be awesome if Literate was Bumble? on Tinder. Follow us on follow us on Grinder. You know, and then uh, and then while you're while you're getting a blowjob in a bathroom at a casino, read a Literate Ape article at the same time. It will be an amazing experience. Why not? Yeah. Sure. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.